Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our September heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is now live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. September's theme is Fall, a wonderful time for a reset. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, my guest for this morning is Lindsay Fontelroy. Lindsay is a licensed acupuncturist and founder of The Spirit Sea. She teaches personal and professional development courses rooted in ancestral understanding of health, humanity, nature, and the cosmos. She was drawn to the healing arts after her fertility journey introduced her to the interconnectedness of body, mind, and spirit. Lindsay's extensive training includes a Master's of Arts from New York University, a Master's of Science from Tri-State College of Acupuncture, clinical training in traditional Chinese medicine, and Kilko Matsumoto-style Japanese acupuncture and myofascial trigger point release. She firmly believes the power to heal should rest in the hands and hearts of all communities. Lindsay's social Soul medicine, Lindsay's soul medicine approach emerges from over 15 years of clinical practice. Her PhD studies in indigenous and African diasporic psychology and her commitment to community wellness. She is a certified instructor for the National Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine and a facilitator of the Flower Essence Society's Global Practitioner Certification Program. Lindsay's five-element flower essence remedies, the elementals, are available worldwide. Lindsay is also one of our featured expert contributors for our September's Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her insightful and empowering story in the Mama's Me Time section. For our kitchen table conversation this morning, Lindsay and I will be talking about her remarkable life's journey and how rhythmic cycles of our mind, body, and soul are influenced by the five elements, water, wood, fire, earth, and metal, from her new book, In Our Element, using the five elements as soul medicine to unleash your personal power. Good morning, Lindsay. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> You're very welcome. Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you with me. In Our Element is an excellent educational read. It is beautifully written. The book is extremely engaging. And more importantly, it makes a remarkable 
reference book. So congratulations on its release. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present. Well, I was born in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and grew up there. And as I think back romantically on my coming of age, I imagine South Jersey is a place that had apartments and houses that were sprinkled in between tomato farms and beaches and forests. So my relationship with nature, you know, began very, very early. I still feel a sense of nostalgia whenever I'm walking through a forest because so much of my early childhood years were out playing in the woods with my brother and my brother's friends because, you know, I was too little to have my own friends, you know. And so it was, you know, that's what I think of as my early childhood, my relationship with nature I remember being uh, in, in elementary school, and there was a tree in the yard of our schoolyard, and my friend and I, we would go inside of the tree, and we would draw pictures in the sand, and we had this idea that there was a, the tree whispered to us, and so we would go back and forth talking about what the, what the tree told us when we were little girls and the, the little recipes <laughs> from the berries of the tree. So when I think about my, my childhood, that's what I remember, and then um, I... Interestingly enough, when I graduated from high school, I studied fashion. Mm-hmm. And so I went to school in North Carolina. My family has deep southern country roots. So I went to, to school in North Carolina and ended up living in Paris for a few months to study fashion. And that's what ultimately brought me to New York City. And then my life completely changed <laughs> <laughs> after being here in the Big Apple and you know how life throws you you know you think you're going one way and then yeah. life throws you a nice little curveball and you're like oh actually I'm going to walk in this direction now So, <laughs> <laughs> very very interesting very very interesting when did you develop a curiosity for traditional medicine well I was a few years into my life here in New York and I experienced a healing crisis where I learned that I was um, not able to have children. And I was really devastated by that because I, I really, really wanted to be a mom. And so I was being told that I could never have children. And at the same time, and I, I don't actually believe in coincidence. I believe in synchronicity. So it just so happened um, that at the time that I was getting this diagnosis medically, I was also engaging with an African spiritual community where we were learning about the five elements and we were learning about emotional balance and we were learning about the interconnection between the mind and the body and the spirit. And so it was through that process of working in that spiritual community while facing this devastation in my my physical body that I got introduced to another way of thinking about healing and you know, I was introduced to acupuncture through this book called The Infertility Cure. And one of the first lines in the book said that in, in East Asian medicine, there's no such thing as infertility. And so that right there, I, that was what mm-hmm. I needed to hear. I needed to hear a paradigm that actually believed that my body could carry a child, could conceive a child. And so that was the beginning of the journey. And it was really a mixture of working with the the spiritual community through prayer, um, through ritual, through chanting, through dancing together, through praying together, 
Um, I was introduced to acupuncture, and then I was also introduced to yoga and then the flower essences. So all of these medicines kind of emerged and appeared for me right when I needed them the most. And that that just really started me on this, this healing journey. I spent about two years working with this medicine um, to ultimately I did get pregnant and give birth. And my daughter, as I talk about in the, the article in the magazine, she's almost 16 now. And so not only did I, not only would I say that the medicine supported my fertility, but it has supported me in every stage of being a mom and that process of holding on, letting go, um, being patient, being devoted, each and every stage has been supported by this, what I call soul medicine, this medicine that touches the places that exist beyond our physical bodies. Very, very interesting. Were your family on the other side of the fence, so to speak? I mean, Technically speaking, being here in America, very, not necessarily metropolitan, I guess it is metropolitan and cosmopolitan approach to life. And then mm-hmm. you have someone like you who sort of look back and say, wait a minute now, there's so much richness in traditional medicine, so to speak. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, for my family, they've always been very supportive. And I've always kind of been a little bit different. <laughs> I don't think they were very surprised for me to come in with another newfangled thing, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of been part of my uh, my position in the family. And so I think that where they were skeptical is in terms of the spiritual path. I, you mm-hmm. know, at the time I became vegan and having a family that, you know, again, those deep southern roots, you know, southern soul food, and here I was, a young 20-something-year-old who with not a lot of maturity, policing mm-hmm. what everyone was eating and saying, oh, that's not mm-hmm. healthy, don't eat meat, and, <laughs> and so being really fanatical about it. Um, <laughs> and so I think those were the places where they felt a little bit like, well, what are, what are you doing now? Well, mm-hmm. you know, what is, what is going on up there in New York in that big city? And so, um, but overall, you know, as I stayed committed to the process and to the work, um, and even as I developed my, my practice, uh, my professional practice, which really grew out of that healing journey, um, mm-hmm. my family has been very supportive. And every now and then I'll, I'll say something and they'll kind of, you know, either roll their eyes and say, oh, okay, that's just the stuff that Lindsay's doing <laughs> for the most part. Um, you know, it's interesting, too, because, you know, as I've, I've been in this work for now almost two decades, and now I'll, I'll find that they'll sometimes even come to me and say, okay, well, what do you recommend, you know, either dietary advice or mm-hmm. uh, holistic medicine advice for certain things that they're facing. And mm-hmm. So that's been, mm-hmm. that's been kind of an inside joke for me. <laughs> 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 it's very, very interesting because in the sense that I'm looking at it and, and I'm really being bad here, you know, because people stereotype and so forth, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You of African-American descent and I'm Asian descent and what? I'm not going to go see her for some Eastern medicine. Yeah, are you crazy? <laughs> and, well, you uh, know what it was? Even before the Eastern medicine, it was the needles. You know, that was yeah, the part right. that right. got uncomfortable. <laughs> you want to do what? 
<laughs> well, I mean, that's the kind of thing when you're thinking about, okay, oh no, she's going to poke some needle in me. But that brings me to the concept of apparently UN expert. I mean, you're very thorough, you're a learned person in terms of acupuncture. So why acupuncture? Uh, well, I found acupuncture, I should say it found me. And mm-hmm. so when uh, I'll go back to early, early, early before my infertility, I was in my early 20s. I had just come to New York and I was introduced to African spirituality. And we have um, a process in African spirituality where you get counsel from a babalao or priest. Mm-hmm. And they kind of look at the scope of your life and they give you insight and they tell you which uh, forces of nature are most prevalent, which archetypal forces. And so mm-hmm. in that reading, uh, the priest told me that because of my relationship with Oshun, who is similar to uh, Venus or Aphrodite in the Greco mm-hmm. roman um, pantheon, um, but because of my relationship with Oshun, he said, well, you know, she governs acupuncture and East Asian medicine, so you may mm-hmm. be drawn to those healing arts in the future. So, you know, he told me this, I kind of stored it away, never really thought about it again. And then when I was reintroduced to acupuncture, when I was trying to conceive, as it turned out, um, my daughter's grandmother was an acupuncturist. And she was one of the first uh, acupuncturists in New York State. She studied at the Harlem Institute of Acupuncture under a political activist, Matulu Shakur, who had started Mm -hmm. really a movement around acupuncture therapy for community healing. And mm-hmm. so here I was in this healing process, reintroduced to acupuncture, and then had someone right in my family who <laughs> could not only give me acupuncture, but also became one of my first teachers. Mm-hmm. And so um, the medicine is just so elegant and beautiful. And, I, you know, once I started getting acupuncture, and then, of course, because I'm kind of nerdy and researchy in that way, I was getting acupuncture. <laughs> I was reading every acupuncture book I could find, had all these acupuncture textbooks, and then at a certain point I was like, okay, maybe you should study acupuncture instead <laughs> of just reading all these books by yourself. So um, so that's really how it happened, and uh, just feeling a real synergy and, and also – that there is it's such a medicine for this time because mm-hmm. it is a medicine that touches not just your physical body but also your emotional body. It supports your spiritual alignment if that's something that you're interested in. So it's such a beautiful, comprehensive med- medicine that, you know, once I started studying and learning and practicing, it just really sank its roots into my, my spirit. And so... Sure. Right, right, right. And it's fascinating. I think when you one when one sort of dive into it, our body Mm -hmm. is a fascinating universe. And you have those beautiful channels of energy that are constantly Mm -hmm. flowing everywhere. Some people can see it through their third eye, and some people are like, are you mm-hmm. crazy? You're going to stick me with that? And I'm sure the very yeah. first person that you stick the needles in will be asking you that. <laughs> it comes up all the time when, when I have patients that are laying on the table. And, and it's interesting because I think some of what I've, what I've learned through my practice mm-hmm. is that we all come to our healing through a different lens. So right. I have some patients that are very much like, what is the name of that point? What does it do? Where does it go? Uh-huh. Give me the details give me the science. Um, 
And then I'll have some patients that are more poetic, and I can tell them the story of a particular patient. You know, this treatment is called the seven dragons, and I want you to envision (laughs) these dragons taking away anything that doesn't serve you. You know, so, you know, different patients come and appreciate the medicine from different points, but there's definitely those times that, wait, what are you, where are you putting that needle in my forehead? Why? <laughs> you know? I understand. I'm just being facetious. You know, they will be saying, Lindsay, you're watching too much Lord of the Dragons or something. You know, so right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. Everyone comes in from a different place. I think that's the, my first uh, question or my first inquiry when I have a new client is, really getting a sense of what is the lens through which they see the world. Sure. Because that's going to inform how I talk about what we're going to be doing together. Right, right. So true. Well, in your studies, what's fascinating about it, and a lot of people are aware of this, and then there's a whole bunch of people that are not aware of it. And this is where, interestingly enough, if we spend quality time, this is how we are in the global community. So from your perspective and your studies of medicine, so to speak, how does, how do the traditional forms of medicinal approaches to our well-being intersect? Well, such a great question. Uh, I think a lot about what ties my my expertise and my field of study is in um, indigenous and diasporic medicines. Mm-hmm. And so that's looking at African spiritual healing systems. That's looking at, of course, East Asian medicine. That's looking at yoga theory. And even to some extent, depth psychology, Jungian depth psychology. And what I find in all of these medicines is the first is the connection to nature that all of these systems, even though they might have different systems of the elements, they might name it in different ways, they might talk about it in different ways, but all of these systems tie the psychology of the human mind back to forces of nature, whether it's nature as a metaphor, uh, nature as an image for healing, or nature as an energetic force that you can move and manipulate. Um, mm-hmm. All of the all of the indigenous systems tie back to that. And then the other thing that is consistent across these medicinal systems is this idea of the subtle body. This idea that we are more than just blood and bones and flesh and blood tests and blood work and you know the physical body that we have that we are made of energy. And so mm-hmm. this philosophy of dynamism that everything is energy. Everything in the, in the universe is made up of energy. Um, in depth psychology, they talk about the animal mundi or the soul of the world, this energetic pulse that connects all living things. And that's where these healing traditions really overlap and intersect. They all have mm-hmm. different strategies and tools for accessing this soul of the world, but they all have some kind of system that allows us to see our thoughts and our emotions and even our perspective as energetic pulses that can change. And in these philosophies, everything can change, no matter how stuck or stubborn or, yeah, broken or unhealed it might be. It can change. Fascinating. Please give us a breakdown of each element and its essence. Sure. So the way that I talk about the elements in the book, I – I break each of the elements, the five that are in the system, into soul lessons. 
But I think the easiest way to really embody and to awaken what we already know about these elements is to think about them in terms of the life of a plant and to imagine our psyche as the life of a plant. So I, I can walk us through that exploration in this way. If we start with the water element, the water element is represented by the seed, the seed stage. And so it's deep, it's in the depths, it's underground, it's dark. The water element deals with anything that is mysterious or unknown. Um, it deals with uncertainty. And it also deals with that part of ourselves that wants to be introspective and self-reflective and to dive into our inner world. So it's the season of the winter when things kind of go underground and get quiet and still. And so the water element teaches us how to treasure and, and balance and be in that stillness and introspection. Then coming out of that seed is a sprout. And so that sprout pushes against gravity and begins to reach for the sun and reach for the light. And so the wood element is that aspect of ourselves that is growing and developing and becoming. It's the the aspect of ourselves that is unapologetic and that is I like to say living our best life. You know, the wood element teaches mm-hmm. us how to go for it and how to be confident and to stand in our gifts and to really reach for the sun, reach for the highest possibility for our lives. And, and the energy or the emotion that is associated with the wood element is anger because anger is what is needed when we need to push towards change with emotive power and force. And so coming out of that sprout is the flower blossom. And the flower blossom is the fire element. And when we think about flowers, they bring us joy, they're cheerful, they make many people happy, myself included. And so the fire element represents that part of ourselves that likes to have fun, that likes to party, that likes to be extroverted. It's that summer season of socializing for the fire element supports us in creating and sustaining healthy relationships as Mm -hmm. well as feeling a sense of um, connection to the divine and to the joy of being in a body on this planet um, for the time that we're here. It's an exuberant childlike energy. And so the fire element teaches us how to access that joy and also how to create intimacy and connection, just like, Flowers attract the birds and the bees. <laughs> so I like to think about with the fire element. And then we're in this season now where the flowers turn to the fruit and the berries of the plant life. And we know that the fruit and the berries are the food and the nurturing and the sustenance that the plant world offers us. And so the earth element teaches us about how do we offer love and kindness and compassion to each other as part of the human family How do we nurture one another? How do we support one another? How do we offer gratitude for one another and all of the gifts of of life? And then finally, those fruits fall from the tree. I was just walking past some this morning, and they start to compost, and they start to rot, and they come back into the earth again. And that brings us to the metal season, which is the autumn or the fall that we're moving into with the equinox coming. And, you know, when those berries and that fruit starts to decompose, it's becoming less of the fruit and more of its essence. And so the metal element teaches us how to be attuned to the essence of something beyond its physical form. 
um, sometimes it's just so often it's associated with death of becoming less less physical matter and more spiritual energy, and that's the season we're moving into. And so the emotion or the emotive force of the metal element is grief because the metal element teaches us how to let go of something that has served its time and, and surrender to a higher power and a higher destiny. And then those rotten apples become seeds of new life again, and the cycle starts all over. Very, very interesting. Beautiful. And all that sort of wraps itself out into soul medicine, I presume. Yes. And that's when I think about soul medicine, I think about soul first aid. It's what can I do for myself that is easy, quick, accessible. And so when I think about soul medicine, I think about music, using music as healing. I think about flower essences, which I talk quite a bit about in the book. I think about journaling, self-reflection, bringing um, awareness and conscious presence to the unfolding of our lives. These are all the sorts of things that we can be doing anywhere all the time. I think about movement practices and movement visualization. If we have limitations in our physical body, we can still envision and see where these meridians fall in our body, and we can also stretch and move and move our body into different yoga forms that allow us to access the wisdom that is that is living in our bodies. Fascinating. That's beautiful. Totally beautiful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. September's theme is Fall, a wonderful time for a reset. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. My guest for this morning is Lindsay Funtelroy. Lindsay is a licensed acupuncturist and founder of The Spirit Seed. She teaches personal and professional development courses rooted in ancestral understanding of health, humanity, nature, and the cosmos. She was drawn to the healing arts after her fertility journey introduced her to the interconnectedness of body, mind, and spirit. Lindsay's soul medicine approach emerges from over 15 years of clinical practice, her PhD studies of indigenous and African diasporic psychology, and her commitment to community wellness. Lindsay is also one of our featured expert contributors for our September's Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her insightful and empowering stories in the Mama's Me Time section. Our kitchen table conversation this morning is about her remarkable life's journey and how rhythmic cycles of our mind, body, and soul are influenced by the five elements, water, wood, fire, earth, and metal, from a new book, In Our Elements, Using the Five Elements as Soul Medicine to Unleash Your Personal Power. Lindsay, why did you decide to write In Our Elements? In Our Element really grew out of years of teaching 
five elements and flower essence therapy. Um, and I would teach the classes and my students would would ask and say, okay, well, where's the source book from the lecture? And what I realized is that, you know, when I really fell in love with acupuncture and acupuncture theory, there were only a few books that really spoke to the the spiritual and the emotional side of the medicine in a way that was user-friendly. You know, a lot of the books out there were really historical and, and talked a lot about the different empires and how the medicine has, you know, changed over time. There were books that were certainly textbooks for acupuncture practice. But in terms of books that really tie together five-element theory with these really practical ways to work with the medicine on your own, I felt like there were, there were precious few books out there that were doing that. And then in terms of my own voice and my own experience with the five elements, you know, a lot of times when we think about healing and healing practice, we envision this space of quiet, maybe being on the mountains and meditating. And all of that is certainly part of holistic healing, but so is laughter. And my life is very colorful. <laughs> it, just, it has a lot of moving parts. Um, from the outside looking in, sometimes it looks like organized chaos and confusion. And so I wanted a, to write a book that spoke about the elements in a way that was a love letter to nature, which it is, of course, for me. I, I have so much genuine love for this, this healing medicine and for nature and how it is constantly showing up for us as a way, as a path towards healing. But I also wanted to include the real-life stories from my practice, from my personal practice, from my professional practice, and the ways that our healing journey isn't quite so neat and packaged and linear. And so uh, that's what I'm hoping in our element does, is that it presents this medicine in a way that people can see themselves and relate to the stories that are in there and say, oh, you know, I had an experience like that too, and oh, this is the medicine that I can use for myself when I'm in a similar state. Very true. I love the book. Like I said, the book is beautifully done. I love the graphics. I love the entire layout. It's a beautiful reference book for do-it-yourself in a way, traditional yeah. medicine, <laughs> and the real thing. And as far as personality is concerned, it, you mentioned you were kind of nerdy and so forth. Well, this book, and I mean it in a very good way and, and in a cheering way, this book is you. It's beautifully done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> a lot of times, by the time you put things on paper, it's like, oh, you wrote that book? Really? <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't really represent a person. But I think in terms of when you pick up this book, you'll know Lindsay. And that's the beauty oh, of it, because especially for a book like this, you need to have that person in it. And you are in it. And so it's beautifully done from that perspective. What Thank is you the so best? Much. You're welcome. What is the best way to read and utilize this excellent book? So, one of the things that I say very early in the book is that this is not necessarily the type of book that you read from cover to cover. I mean, if hmm. you do, and I've had some people say, oh, they started reading it and they couldn't put it down, and that was both very surprising and made me extraordinarily happy to hear to hear that piece. But also, it's this idea that it is a reference tool and that 
the way that our healing happens is not a linear process. It's not a mm-hmm. beginning to end kind of journey that we're often on when we're, when we're healing at the level of the soul. And so I offer readers the, dare I say, permission, but the advice also <laughs> to be nonlinear in your experience yeah. of the book, to really trust what you feel drawn to. If you open right in the front, I list all of the soul lessons for the elements. So you might just look at that page and be drawn, oh, there's a soul lesson that says, relate from your own center. Maybe I'll just skip and go there because that's what I need to call into my life right now. Or, you know, right now we're moving into the metal element season, which is the autumn. And so maybe I'm just going to start by reading up on the metal element because that's where we are in the in nature and in the cosmos. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a reflection of that in myself as well. So there's a lot of different ways to, to work with the book. Um, I have some folks that have told me that they just skip to the playlist and the music and they just <laughs> pull up the, the songs and I'm like, if you like it, I love it. Um, but it is a it is a nonlinear experience. And so I'm always excited to hear what cha- the first thing I ask folks when they say, oh, I got your book, I really love your book. And I, I always ask, well, what resonated with you? What was the the chapter or the element mm-hmm. or the soul medicine tool that you feel like really most aligned with where you are in your life right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So true. Well, as I mentioned, it is ironically, this book is for everyone because people that love history, right? I want to know things. This book gives them that beautiful walkthrough in a condensed manner that shows how it's interestingly enough, we live in a global community and when mm-hmm. you talk about traditional medicine, the people in Africa did not know the people in Asia existed. The people in Asia did not know the people in Africa existed, much less, say, the American continent. But yet, mm-hmm. these groups of people, culture, whatever you want to call it, were practicing, quote-unquote, the earthly human medicine that ties mm-hmm. everybody in. I remember growing up in Malaysia and my mom would bring me to the Chinese medicine pharmacy for like a better time. <laughs> yeah. And when you're sick, okay, and this doctor that touches you here, there, and then write a prescription and then you go to this pharmacy and then he starts pulling out a little bit of this herb, that herb and this, and mom would go home and boil it. And believe me, <laughs> it tastes nasty. But it makes you feel good. That's what we call it. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? That happens in the continent of Africa. That happens mm-hmm. in the continent of Australia. That happens mm-hmm. in the continent of North America and South America, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite authors, I have so many favorite authors, but um, – Adrienne Marie Brown, she has a book called Emergent Strategy. And one of the examples mm-hmm. that she gives in the book is so beautiful. She talks about, you know, how if you're watching a flock of birds and they all kind of move and sink in a direction. Mm-hmm. And there's not necessarily a command. I mean, I'm sure they have their own systems. But I, I think it's a very beautiful metaphor, this idea of emergent culture, this mm-hmm. idea that uh, – people, indigenous people across the globe were in relationship with the natural world in such a way that they were learning and developing their 
medicine and their healing philosophies in, con- in, in conjunction with nature. And so the similarities between practices, the similarities between philosophies is really something that I'm always fascinated by. And then even in the history, I, I think there's so much we don't know about how different ancient worlds communicated and shared with one another before what we know now in terms of colonialization and and that sort of thing. So it's it's really, I, I think in the book I was able to touch on it a bit just in terms of the research that I've found and, and in my own experience working with both African spirituality and Asian medicine, but I think there's so much more out there that I'm excited to continue to explore. Very true, so true. You mentioned just now about music, and your book talks quite a bit about music. How does music <laughs> contribute to soul medicine? Well, music, I think, is one of the most ancient human healing tools, let's <laughs> mm-hmm. just say. I mean, we can look in any old world medicine, and there's this idea of vibration and sound. Mm-hmm. And so even in acupuncture theory, when we are listening to the quality of someone's voice, that's one of the diagnostic filters is, you know, how is the rhythm and the cadence and the tonality of their voice um, as part of knowing which element to work with. And so in the book, I extended that a bit, and I started thinking about, okay, if the signature of, let's say, a water element voice is very kind of low to the ground and gravelly and sinks to the bottom, like water sinks to the bottom of um, surrendering to gravity, what does that sound like in a hip-hop song? What does that sound like in a soul song? What does that sound like in a pop song? And so I just really started having fun with that. And when I would go into the high schools and I would teach five-element theory and for emotional wellness, the high school students, that was the entry point. Because I would play a series of songs and I would say, okay, well, what is the mood? They would say hashtag mood, right? So what is the feeling? What is the vibration? What is the, what do you get from this song? What do you picture? And we would start just kind of collaging. I would play a set of songs for the wood element. I would play a set of songs for the fire element. And we would, we would see these kind of archetypal feelings, these emotions emerge. And that right there was just, I think, so much of what this medicine is about. It's already embodied. It's already inside of us. And so, um, so the music then, when I, when I started writing the book, I just narrowed down for each element the 10 or 12, sometimes 15 uh, songs that really embrace the energetic of these elements. And I know many of us have had that, that moment where we use music as medicine. Maybe, you know, we have a workout and we always put on, mm-hmm. like, Eye of the Tiger is something that's really going to push mm-hmm. us and inspire us energetically. Or if we're going through a bad breakup and the tears feel stuck, we have those sad, sad love songs that will help us to start <laughs> crying if we need to. So we, we kind of intuitively use music as medicine what I tried to do in the book was to extend that so that we could use our music as medicine with more intention as we're working with these these five elements. Very, very interesting. The reason I asked that question is how ironic. I My background, in some ways, I, I have a diverse background as well, and I'm a ballroom dance instructor, performer, and whatever you want to call it. So I enjoyed music. Oh, wow. I'm a rhythmic dancer. And so... 
interestingly enough, one of the things that I do for the local communities that uh, I teach, ball, uh, I teach body in rhythm motion hour to some oh. assisted living and mem- memory care facility here locally in Dallas. And bringing the music back into the community and having them Mm -hmm. being able to resonate because these individuals are living in the moment per se, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. when they listen to Sinatra, they listen to uh, Dean Martin, they listen to Perry Como, and believe it or not, even to Elvis. Here's someone who is in the wheelchair. All of a sudden, feel the rhythm, feel the flow, mm. and started moving, smiling. And believe it or not, they remember the lyrics because I mm. would tell them, I said, ladies and gentlemen, think about it this way. Remember the time when we're in the kitchen and we hear a wonderful song and we started to lip sing and we sing like nobody's hearing us? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Remember the time when we're cleaning house and we hear something that we really enjoy and we started moving our body like we're dancing like nobody's watching us? That's what this whole hour is all about. So oh. it resonates with you. Move your body. And don't mm-hmm. worry about I think Johnny moved five times to the left. Oh, my God. I, I'm not doing five times to the left, to the left. Forget it. It's about you. And yeah. let the music speak to you. And surprisingly enough, you're talking about the joy it brings to them during that hour. Yeah. And I, and that word, uh, the resonance, you mm-hmm. know, it just, music kind of moves through our whole entire nervous system. You know, we are 75% water, if not more. You know what happens when you play music in water, the, all of the water starts <laughs> to move and vibrate. And so I just imagine that same thing happening mm-hmm. to me when I hear a song and, and so bringing the elements into that was, was really fun. And I, I feel like I want to take your class. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was just amazing. I, I was a little like, uh-huh. Yeah. When they approached me, they wanted me to do that because I do teach the independent living ballroom dancing. And they say, mm-hmm. how about creating a class for our assisted living and our memory care? And I said, well, okay, but suddenly you don't want to say anything about dancing because then Nobody's going to show up like, oh, my God, I used to be able to do this, this, this. I'm not going to look right. stupid out there. <laughs> right. And then, and then when you say, and into our... right. And, and then you certainly don't want to use the word exercise. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so I say, how about body in rhythm motion out? That way it kind of touch everything and people understand it's music. And let's check it out and see what's happening. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so it, it turned out to be a big hit. And the fascinating part about it is that by accident, with the sort of uh, the the restriction of COVID being lessened, the loved ones come to visit the residents. And this is an end product that the because no one's going to show up and join mom and dad in an exercise class. <laughs> <laughs> right, but they are there to enjoy the music and to see each other smiling, genuinely smiling from the heart and moving. Wow. It's just a beautiful sight. And 
also is a huge relief for the loved ones because, as you know, and I say this respectfully, and they'll be the first one to tell you. And now visiting, before visiting our loved ones is stressful. The hour yeah. that I'm there is stressful. <laughs> the right. hour after I left is stressful. But in this body and rhythm motion hour, for some reason, we're in that zone to see right. that beautiful uh, spirit within ourselves connect at that level mm-hmm. with mom, dad, and so mm-hmm. forth. It's fascinating. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I, and there's so many rich traditions around music and the heartbeat and the pulse of the earth and the pulse of collective spirit. And, you know, in the African tradition, drums played mm-hmm. a huge role. In ancient China, the drums played a huge role. And so it's, it's almost like there's some aspects of our human development that are still with us and still sacred, even though we don't necessarily think of them in that way. But just like you said, you know, it's it just that intuitive, I'm just going to start moving and I'm going to start smiling and just allowing that joy to live in my body. I think that right there, that is soul medicine. That's what it's about. Fantastic. That's really wonderful. How many states of consciousness are there? Probably millions, but in the book I talk about (laughs) um, the four most common um, that Mm -hmm. I find are are useful for thinking about our healing journey. Um, And so those four states of consciousness are beta, alpha, theta, and delta. Um, There are a few others, but um, those four I think really – help us to process our healing journey. And the way that I talk about it in the book is that, you know, we're pretty familiar with beta consciousness because that's normal, our normal waking consciousness. That's the mm-hmm. consciousness that we use to move through the day and to process through our five senses and to stay alert. And if anyone's listening, uh, whoever's listening to us talk right now, or there's that aspect of them that's actively listening and then, we slip into alpha state when we go off into like a little daydream and start, you know, you were talking about um, the elders. And so maybe there was a moment where someone started thinking about their own grandmother and they left this Mm -hmm. current moment to go there. And that's that alpha state of awareness. And alpha state of awareness is slower than beta state. We have to slow down a bit. And it tunes us into those energetic pulses of the five elements. Um, the theta state is more of an astral or an imaginal state. It is thinking in terms of symbols and metaphors and archetypes. And so I think of the theta state, um, you know, it's, it's related to these kind of larger imprints. And in the book, I, I use flower essences to really speak to our thoughts and our perceptions and how they may shift and change over time. And then the last state of consciousness, the delta state, and the delta state is what many uh, healing practices align with the spiritual thing and mm-hmm. our destiny and that collective consciousness or even collective unconscious um, is, is slowing down to get into the delta state. So those are the four that I see the most in my practice because I'm constantly reminding my clients that when you are coming up with your wellness routine, when you're coming up with your wellness regimen, you want to test each of those states of consciousness. You want to do something for 
your physical body. You want to have a practice for your emotional healing and accessing that out the state. And then you want to have a practice that is going to engage the symbols and the metaphors of your dreams and imagination. All of those working together to, yeah, bring about healing beyond the physical. I think that's the key thing is that, mm-hmm. you know, we live in a time uh, where it's not just enough. It's, it's just not enough to take care of our bodies. We really have to take care of our hearts, take care of our minds, um, especially in times where there's wars and pandemics. I think now more than ever there's an aspect of, of humanity that's remembering that we have to care for the intangible and the invisible, and that's just as much a part of our health as anything else. Right, right, so true. In your book to you talk about the prayer board, why is making a prayer board an essential part of our soul medicine journey? Oh, prayer boards are one of my absolute favorite practices. Um, so many people are familiar with vision boards, and vision boards are when you are clear and you're specific about what you want. So if you want a particular job or a particular home or a particular car, particular vacation, you might have pictures of those things and put affirmations on it, and that's great. The prayer board, however, offers us an opportunity to be open to a life that is more than what we can imagine at any given point in time. It's honoring that our vision can be limited and that we can't see the full entirety of our destiny in any given moment. And so the prayer board I say is like saying this or something better. And the prayer board is really about not what I want on a material level, but who I want to become, what qualities I want to embody on a human and soul level. So rather than saying I want this specific car, I might say that I want to be the type of person that can travel with ease and with grace and to – show up for my life in the most adventurous way, for example. Uh, Instead of a particular home, I might say that I want to feel safety and security or whatever are the things that, or even luxurious, if that's on our list. But it's really focused on the how as opposed to the what, the how I feel as opposed to what I want to have. And then it's trusting that God or the universe or our ancestors or however we conceive it is going to bring us what we need for our highest potential, even if it's bigger than what we imagine for ourselves. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Do you have a recommendation on how to create a wellness plan? I do. Again, I, I think that the wellness plan really stems out of honoring the different aspects of our being. So I walk clients through the step of, okay, what do you need for your physical body? That might be a particular diet. That might be a big one right now is getting enough sleep, getting off the social media so that they can get enough sleep, you know, tending to all the, making sure you have all of your doctor's appointments lined up. That's going to take care of your physical body, your exercise, all of the things. But then what are you doing for your emotional body? And that might, take the form of acupuncture, certainly, music, certainly, being in nature, talking to a therapist, writing in a journal, 
But having a plan that incorporates both the physical and the emotional and then also the, the mental and the astral and the imaginal. So that might mean creating art, finding places for creativity, creative writing, painting, sketching, um, dream journaling, whatever are those practices that support your mental, uh, your thought body, you know, listening to or reading inspirational media, textbooks, movies, uh, sacred texts, modern pop culture texts, whatever it is that is feeding your mind. Um, so when someone is coming up with a wellness plan, it's making sure that we're looking at all of those areas, including attentive to how they're staying connected to their source in the spiritual, um, in their spiritual practice, whatever that looks like for them. Interesting. So it's basically that no matter how busy and the group family that you're in, this is basically in a nutshell, it's your me time, so to speak. Yeah, it's your me time, and it's it's making sure that all of the bases are covered. I think sometimes, um, especially, you know, when I was a new mom, this really was, it was really big for me. Like I was so consumed with early motherhood that um, a lot of the mental health journey got left out. You know, I was making sure mm-hmm. I had the, the basics for my physical body, um, and even that sometimes is a little sketchy in terms of getting enough sleep. But I really wasn't making sure that I had time to be creative. I wasn't really making sure that I had time to think through and process my emotions. And so I really encourage my clients to, to carve out space for those specific things as well as the, the other things that we tend to think of in relation to our health. Very, very interesting. Why is creating a release ritual equally important as well? Oh, I think it's it's similar to the prayer board. I would say that they are complementary practices because in order to let something in, you have to let something go. And so the release ritual really allows us to honor, which is a gift of the metal element, to honor something's essence while we let go of the form. So that could be a relationship that has served its time and it's honoring and saying, okay, this is what I loved about this relationship. This is what it brought into my life. And now it's time for this relationship to move or shift or move in a different direction. Um, And it can be also for physical things, you know, like whenever I'm going through a process where I'm trying to, I'll be totally transparent. I have this really awkward relationship with sugar. (laughs) So every now and then I'll go through these periods where I'm just like, okay, you have to stop eating so much sugar. And so that's a a release ritual. It's like, okay, sugar, I love you. You're great. You're sweet. You're all the things, but you are really destroying my hormonal health. So I have to let you go. (laughs) Yeah. it's, It's really that release ritual is about identifying the thing in your life that it's time to let go, it's time to release, it's time to let go, and then moving you through a process where you can do so with grace and with gratitude mm-hmm. instead of with clinging and angst and heartache. Um, so the release ritual, because it is so aligned with the, the metal element season, uh, it really comes up a lot right now, especially as, you know, we see the trees starting to let go of the leaves, and it's the same kind of thing. It's not a forceful push is a gentle release and how do we do that mm-hmm. 
for the things that we love or that we, you know, we want to keep, but we know they're not for us. Very, very interesting. It's very true. Where can someone go to get more information about you, buy your book and products, enroll in your classes, and keep up with the latest happenings? Oh, thank you for asking. I would love for folks to come on over and join me at the website, which is thespiritseed.org. So at the Spirit Seed, um, we have, you can see, of course, the book is there, but also all of our classes, our flower essences. You can see some of the research and creative work created by the students in our community. We have some really great classes that come up in the fall uh, for personal development and for professional training. Um, so that's at the Spirit Seed. And then in social media, you can find me by my name, Lindsay Thought on um, Instagram and Twitter, and I like to share little tips for the season and staying in line with the elements in all those spaces. Wonderful. What is next for you? Oh, well, I am really deeply immersed as this as the season changes for back-to-school season. It's, it's back-to-school at the spirit sea for me as a teacher, but also back-to-school for me as a student, I am in my third year of my uh, PhD studies of Indigenous and diasporic healing. So I, that is my next uh, platform in terms of deepening my relationship with these practices and human psychology and hopefully bringing forward some new insights, some new wisdom that we can use in a practical way to, to help us all heal and be better humans and take better care of each other and take better care of this planet. Fantastic. That's really wonderful. By the way, as we are coming to the close of this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Oh, my recipe for right now, in line with the autumn, in line with the season, is to really be present to the beauty and the magic of this moment. So whether that means going outside and taking a breath and just feeling the breeze kiss your cheek or sinking your feet in the grass or giving someone you love a big hug, just finding ways to be present to the beauty that is right now. Um, And trying to do that every day, just one little thing every day that brings you into the beauty and power of this moment. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Lindsay, thank you for the beautiful recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, September 28th at 10 a.m. Central Time, U.S. My guest will be Michelle Welch. Michelle is an author, psychic intuitive, business owner, active lawyer practicing criminal and civil law, jury selection consultant, grief driller, and a mother of five children. Michelle and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, Spirits Unveiled, a fresh perspective on angels, guides, ghosts, and more. It's a perfect deal to lead us into Halloween in October, so to speak. (laughs) For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Lindsay, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a very blessed day. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.